Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. This week in the Salem Alliance, we're starting a new series. It's a series that we've called Encounters. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you got your phone, your iPad, uh, open, open up to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to be reading a story here in a few moments um, as we launch this series uh, in these coming weeks. Um, a lot of years ago, Trina's dad, my father-in-law, Roger, um, came to a place where he, he was in desperate need. He, he needed heart surgery. Um, his lifestyle, uh, uh, combined with a, a pretty aggressive habit of smoking, his cigarette of choice, uh, unfiltered camels, uh, had led to the place where he had a, a need for a triple bypass. He went to Good Sam in Portland, had the surgery, and as he's coming and he's, he's coming out and as he's in recovery, the doctor has a conversation with him and says to him, Roger, there's some significant changes that need to take place in your life. Lifestyle changes, uh, eat, eating changes, and most, most, uh, most concerned about uh, him, he said that it's also your habit of smoking. You have to stop smoking. And that was a line in the sand for Roger that day. He drew a line in the sand because on that day, he, he quit smoking, cold turkey. And now, if you've ever had that experience where you've stopped a habit, like you're trying to stop smoking, you're in that in that season right now. God bless you, may empower you as you seek to quit that habit. Um, he 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 cold turkey. He drew a line in the sand and he stopped smoking. Uh, years later, after he quit smoking, I was down at his house. We were playing cards one night, and I asked him. I said, "You know, you quit smoking pretty aggressively." Do you ever crave a cigarette? And he, he said, oh, yeah, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. He said, sometimes I'm in a grocery store, and I'm, I'm behind someone, and I can tell that they're a smoker. And, uh, and, and I'll take a couple steps closer, and I'll get close to him, and I just take a deep breath, and I just breathe in the nicotine that's on their shirt. Other times when the compulsion, the craving is super strong, I have this weird idea enter my mind that, you know, the hand that, that, that holds the cigarette, I just, there's something in me just would say that I just want to grab their hand and suck on the fingers that held the cigarette. Disgusting. Yes. No, no doubt about it. But, but this is what happens to us when, when our cravings become misplaced. And, uh, and, and this whole smoking habit obviously created dis- a disruption in Roger's life to the point where he was seeing a doctor, he was having his chest opened up, he was having a triple bypass, and, uh, and, and, and now in, in recovery. And that whole situation captured his attention. And, uh, and friends, um, disruptions have a way of doing that, significant disruptions, like the, the one we are in now. In fact, what I want to talk to us today about is this, that disruptions capture our attention for the purpose of holy recalibration. Let me say that again, because this is, this is where, where I'm going. In fact, I'm, as we get to the end, here's, here's my desired outcome. My desired outcome is that the disruption that we're experiencing could indeed cause a holy recalibration for us. Disruptions capture our attention 
for the purpose of a holy recalibration. A church father's name was Augustine said these words that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Meaning that, that oftentimes we live distractive lives. We try to fill the space in our lives. We try to satisfy our lives with so much. And spiritually speaking, we, 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 we need this, this heart check. My father-in-law, he actually had a, he's a physical disruption. For, for many of us, there's this spiritual disruption that oftentimes God will, will speak to us in for the purpose of a holy recalibration. And we, we know all about disruption. I mean, you, you get in your car and you're going to work and you pull out of the, the garage or pull away from the curb and you realize that you have a flat tire. It's a disruption. It's an inconvenience. You're working on your computer and you're working on some documents, pretty important documents, and, and then your computer crashes. Interruption, disruption, and you're, you're frustrated. Um, you're, you're traveling and uh, you're, you're, you're going someplace and you're trying to get home or you're trying to get to a, a certain location. Uh, maybe it's a vacation, maybe it's business, and your flight is delayed. It's a disruption. And, and those kind of disruptions, I mean, they happen and they're inconvenient, but they're nothing like the disruption that we're experiencing in these days. Our world, globally, our world is experiencing a significant disruption. Uh, it began in small ways. Uh, around here, I could hear the groans in people as the news went out that March Madness was canceled. March Madness, soon to be quickly known as March Sadness. And in Oregon, if you're not watching from Oregon, in Oregon, that's a pretty big deal because we know that the women's basketball team was going to win the NCAA championship. That was a given. I mean, they were, they were just creaming everybody. We knew that was going to happen. And by the way, we also knew the Oregon men were going to take it all and surprise the world. Well, maybe that, that's a stretch. But sports have been disrupted. I mean, think about it. No NBA, no NHL, no March Madness, the Masters Golf Tournament postponed. Disruption. Some of you have had your paycheck disrupted. You've been laid off. We've had to lay off some of our baristas at Broadway Coffee House. Your, your income has been disrupted. Your, your hours have been cut back. And there is disruption. For others, uh, the, the disruption has come in, in, in different ways. Um, you're a high school student, and that prom got canceled, and that, that event you were looking for, that prom, it, that was, it was a significant part of your senior year. It's gone. You're in a choir competition, and you've been practicing for that solo, or you're, 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 in, you're in drama, or you're, there's this play coming up, and, and you had a key part, and that was all disrupted. Mission trips were disrupted. We had a team that was in France, when this, uh, this whole situation was, uh, was gaining momentum and we had to bring them home and the, the Recognizing God's Voice conference that we planned and over 100 people in Toulouse, France, planning to come. The conference disrupted. A team brought back and then self-quarantining. Another disruption, not being able to interact with others. Our high school Mexico trip, a, a, a key trip every year, a strategic trip going down to Mexico, building houses, for those who are, who are homeless, that trip canceled, a disruption. Middle school students headed to San Francisco on a mission trip. That trip canceled. Over and over again, disruptions and interruptions. And, can, and, and to cap it off, guess what? The new James Bond movie 
It's, it's been moved from April to October. And for some, those, those high, diehard James Bond fans, that, that's a disruption. Minor in light of all the others. But disruption comes in all shapes and sizes. And your life, your life has been disrupted. My life, our lives are facing disruption. Now, in this series, we're talking about how Jesus longs to encounter us and how we can encounter him. And whatever we find our circumstances, they are. And, and let me tell you, when you encounter Jesus, nothing is the same after that kind of account, that, that encounter. Encountering Jesus changes you. It transforms you. Transforms you. It's, it's a radical redirection of your life. There's a guy named Saul. He was a religious terrorist. Uh, back in the days of the early church, he was traveling to Syria on a road called Damascus, and he encountered Jesus. And this religious terrorist was transformed so much that he became a church planter and a missionary. There were some religious teachers that encountered a 12-year-old Jesus one day. They were amazed and full of wonder as they listened to the answers uh, to the questions that they asked this 12-year-old boy. There was a woman, a widow, in a funeral procession one day. She encountered Jesus. She was going to bury her son, her only son. She encountered Jesus. And not only was that son resurrected, raised to life from the dead, but hope was resurrected in that family in that day and in that village. And the news spread to the surrounding villages. There was a greedy tax collector named Zacchaeus. And he encountered Jesus one day. And by the end of the day, he was repaying all the people he had stolen and taken money from uh, four times as much as he had, uh, he, he had charged them. Encounters change us. Friends, are, are, you, are you longing for an encounter with Jesus? Have you been longing for an encounter with Jesus? Well, that's what this series is all about. We're going to highlight different circumstances in which Jesus encounters people and we'll talk about what that means to us. And today what I want to talk to you about is how this disruption captures our attention for the purpose of holy calibration, recalibration. And I want to talk to you about how Jesus disrupts our routine. So, with your Bibles, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Let me just give you a, a little bit of a, uh, a context here. Um, this, this is a story about Simon Peter. This is the Peter that would become quite famous, to be one of the famous followers of Jesus, one of his disciples, one of his apostles. And this is a story of, of when he encounters Jesus. And as I read this story, what you're going to hear is about, you're going to hear about Jesus teaching by a seashore, the Sea of Galilee. Don't think white sand beach, think rocky beach. Um, kind, of, kind of, kind of, maybe even hurts your feet a little bit as you walk across. Um, and Jesus is going to be teaching, and and Simon Peter is going to have his routine disrupted by Jesus. Luke five verse one. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. 
When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Disruption captures our attention for the purpose of a holy recalibration. Peter is doing his normal routine. He's been fishing all night long. It's been an unsuccessful evening of business. He's a commercial fisherman. He's in partnership with some other guys named James and John. Those names should sound familiar to you. There's a guy named Andrew. That name should also sound familiar to you. And they've been fishing all night. And now the routine is that when you've been fishing all night, whether you catch something or not, you come to the shore, you wash your nets. These are trammel nets, so they're nets not made out of an invisible kind of, uh, of, of, of product, but actually made out of linen. So you fish at night because that way the fish can't see the net. You don't fish during the day because obviously the fish are going to see the net and they're going to just kind of divert their path and go around it or underneath it. So they're in their normal routine. They've been working all night. It's been an unsuccessful day of business. They're washing their nets at the seashore. And there's this rabbi, this teacher, and he's, uh, he's gathering a crowd as he's teaching by the seashore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the crowds are pushing in on him, so what he decides to do is to hop into one of these boats. Happens to be the boat of Simon Peter, and he asks Peter to push the boat out into the water. Kind of as a kind of a makeshift pulpit for Jesus. And as that's happening, uh, the, the people are listening, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a great way to see the crowd. It's a great way for the sound to kind of bounce off the water, to be heard by the crowd. And Jesus wraps up his teaching, and this is where he disrupts Peter's routine. He says to Peter, hey, let's push out. Let's, let's go fishing, Peter. Let's go out there and drop our nets down in the deep, and let's catch some fish. And this is where Peter says, well, you know, Jesus, we, we tried that. In fact, we, we worked hard all, night, all, all last night. But Peter, out of respect for this new rabbi, says, okay, okay we do it. And this is where Jesus disrupts the routine of, Jesus, of, of Peter. Jesus disrupts his routine. Peter allows his routine to be disrupted. He gets in the boat. His partners also get in the boat. They, they, these are drag nets, so you're, you're dragging the nets. These guys are exhausted. I mean, here's the routine of Peter. You work all night. You come back. You wash your nets. If you caught fish, you, you take them to market, and, um, and then you, you wash your nets, and then you, you grab some lunch, and then you take a nap, and, and you spend some time with your family, and you repeat. You, you do it again the next night. That, that's the routine. And Jesus is disrupting the routine. Lunch is going to have to wait. We don't know if there will be a nap. But Peter goes out. And they fish. And they let down their nets. And after the most unsuccessful day of business that previous evening, 
Jesus gives Peter and his commercial fishing partners the best day of business ever. And they're hauling in fish and the nets are about to break. And that's when Peter realizes that the person in the boat with him is someone special. This, this is an amazing person that's with him, that's present with him in this boat. And very quickly, like in a millisecond, this realization that, that, that there's someone special about, because friends, this kind of stuff doesn't happen. You don't catch fish during the day. You catch them at night with these nets. This, I mean, they've already, these guys know what they're doing and there has been no catch. And they realize that there's someone amazing in the boat. And what Peter does next is that he falls to his knees because suddenly he realizes the gap between who he is and who the Lord is. And he's saying, in some translations, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Meaning, I know who I am and I'm not worthy to be in this boat with you. He sees the, the gap. He sees the, the, just who Jesus is and it exposes, it gives him an experience of his own self-awareness that brings him to his knees. But Jesus doesn't leave. He actually reassures Peter and says, don't be afraid. Don't be, it's, it's okay, Peter. Don't, don't be afraid. Because I want you to follow me and now you're going to be fishing for people. You're going to be fishing for people. And friends, Peter allowed his routine to be disrupted. And disruption captures our attention for the purpose of holy recalibration. And Peter goes out. His routine is disrupted. He drops down the net. I don't know what he was thinking when he was dropping down. Now like, okay, we'll just, we'll just do one pull and we'll just satisfy this rabbi. But then it's like he just caught a log in the net. Best day of business ever. And he realizes he's with someone special. He realizes the gap between him and Jesus. Jesus reassures him. And Peter makes a decisive break with his past and walks into a future with Jesus. Interestingly enough, if you've ever read the story of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 It actually mirrors Peter's experience. Isaiah 6, Isaiah has his routine disrupted. He says, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then when the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal, he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, the coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. Reassurance. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Isaiah says, here I am, send me. If you put up on the screen just sort of a a contrast between Isaiah and Peter, you see there's this epiphany, There's there's an encounter with Jesus. Life has been disrupted. And then there's a reaction. Isaiah's reaction is very similar to Peter's. Ah, I'm a simple person. And there's reassurance. And then there's commission. Exact same kind of thing. Disruption. Capturing attention for the purpose of holy recalibration. I want to highlight three effects of the disruption that Peter and Isaiah face. But hone in on on Simon Peter. I want to to focus in on those in, in this story. 
and then just talk about some practical ways that we can lean into this very odd season that we find ourselves in. The first thing is, is simply this, that is disruption awakens us to the presence of Jesus. Uh, disruption awakens us to the presence of Jesus. Uh, in, in, in Peter's boat, this catch a fish during the day, which is a bit of an anomaly, uh, it, just, it awakens the fact, him to the fact that there's someone special in the boat. And when the presence of Jesus enters the room, and if it enters in the room you're in right now, it just just awakens you to the fact that he's here. Now, Psalm 139, Jeff mentioned this as as he was praying during worship. Uh, Psalm 139 says this, I can never escape from your, your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. The psalmist is writing about the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. That's vast. There's a, there's a heaven and earth difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. Think 1 Kings chapter 8. Solomon is dedicating the temple. And then the temple fills with a cloud. And the priests, they have to stop what they're doing because life has been disrupted. There's an interruption. And God's presence is poured out. In the late 1940s, in the country of Scotland, there's these islands off the the west coast called the Hebrides. In the Hebrides Island, there were two women, age 82 and 84. They were sisters, Peggy and Christine. Peggy, completely blind. blind. Uh, Christine bent over, her back bent over with arthritis. And they were discouraged. They were discouraged because in the churches in the Hebrides, it it was only occupied by an aging generation. That there were people who, uh, who, who were there, but they were, they were all older, and the, and, and the youth, the next generation, had no interest in God. And this disturbed Peggy and Christine, and they began praying. And they began praying from the book of Isaiah. They began praying that, that God, would you, would you pour out the waters of your spirit on this dry land? And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And their answers, I mean, their prayers were, were answered. The presence of Jesus came. There was revival in the Hebrides. And a guy named Duncan Campbell was asked to come and to speak to these churches as the manifest presence of God began to invade the Hebrides islands. Listen to what Campbell writes in his book called Revival in the Hebrides. This is just 60, 70 years ago. The grass beneath my feet and the rocks around me seemed to cry, flee to Jesus for refuge. The supernatural illumination of the Holy Spirit led many in this revival to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ before they came near to any meeting connected with the revival. I have no hesitation in saying that this awareness of God is the crying need of the church today. Disruption creates an awareness of the presence of Jesus. That same revival, a a blacksmith in a prayer meeting is is praying. He prays, I don't know about these other people, but I I know my own heart. And God, I am thirsty. You have promised to pour water on him who is thirsty. That was their prayer. 
If you don't do it, how can I ever believe in you again? This is a simple blacksmith crying out to God in a prayer meeting. Your honor is at stake, God. You are a covenant-keeping God. Fulfill your covenant engagement. And at that moment in the village of Arnal, that building shook like a leaf. An earthquake just just in that building. Sounds like Acts chapter 4. And as people spilled out of, the, of that building in Arnal, Hebrides, hundreds of people had lanterns in their hands and they were coming towards this church building. Almost like a silent alarm went off and the population became very aware. Jesus is present. Friends, disruption Disruption captures our attention for the purpose of holy recalibration. Second thing I want you to know is that disruption can awaken us to our need for Jesus. Back to the Hebridean revival. It it, it awakens our need for Jesus. Uh, As as this revival begins to break out, there are are people, uh, young people, who, this is Peggy and Christine, them praying that the young people, the next generation, would would be drawn to God. And and, um, and there's this this dance taking place in a dance hall. Actually, the the dance hall is an old church building. And there's well over 100 people in this dance hall. And as they're dancing, as they're enjoying music, suddenly the presence of God, the manifest presence of God breaks in. God's presence breaks in and the music stops and the dancing ceases and the young people leave the dance hall and they head to the church and they come to the church and as they enter the church, they're on their faces like Peter in the boat. Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm doomed. These Young people coming into the church, crying out for mercy. One woman prayed this prayer. God, is there mercy for me? God, is there mercy for me? On the floor of the church, on her face, crying out, God, is there mercy for me? Friends, disruption creates an awareness of the presence of God. Disruption also creates this awareness of our need for God. And this is, what is, this is what happens when we lean into, we pay attention to what Christ might be saying to us when he disrupts our routines. The last thing I would say to us is that um, as, as this takes place is that disruption can prompt a holy recalibration for us all. Friends, these are days when maybe you're working from home, maybe you've been laid off, Maybe you're, you're working in one of those businesses that's been described as essential and you're going to work. This, this disruption that we're experiencing can prompt a holy recalibration for all of us. It causes us to pay attention. God, what, what are you saying to us in these days? And if we'll open up our hearts and say yes and pay attention, amazing things can happen. Let me just read you some stories from that same Hebridean revival. Here's a testimony from William McLeod. Exactly one week before Christmas had happened, God spoke to my heart and I surrendered my life to him. When I woke up the next morning, I was at peace and everything was new to me. 
The whole world seemed new. I found myself pouring my heart out to God. Joy welled up inside of me, a joy that was beyond explanation. Catherine Campbell, the meeting was mighty and I was overwhelmed with conviction. As I came out of the meeting, I just fell on my knees outside the door. I didn't care who was around. That night, I came to Jesus. After the meetings, we would hold hands and sing at the top of our voices. It was heaven on earth. Mary Peckham, when the people sang, oh, the shivers that chased themselves up and down my spine. I had never heard singing like this. The words rose to heaven in a power that could only be sensed but not described. The singing was fire. It went right through you. Norman Campbell. I prayed and asked Jesus for mercy. And soon as I was, as soon as I stood after praying, I was set free. I was launched out on a sea of love. I left the hall feeling as if I were swimming in a sea of love. We went to the bus and just as we approached the vehicle, suddenly a light with like the brightness of the sun on this dark night shone all around us. I looked up to see where the light was coming from and I saw the face of Jesus. The light was coming from his face. I shall never forget it. It was like the sun, just like the sun. And the joy on that face and the love reflected from that face, I cannot explain nor describe it. Then he said, I love you. And the you was plural, meaning all of you. I was flooded with inexpressible joy and seemed to be afloat on an ocean of love. Friends, disruption can make us aware of the presence of Jesus. Disruption can help us see our need for Jesus and disruption can cause a holy recalibration for all of us. I don't think it's a mistake that today in this shared global experience that our lives are being disrupted and that God is redeeming this disruption to do a work he's longed to do in our hearts. Met with some pastors this past week and they were asking each of us, what do you think God is saying? As it came my turn, I just simply said, you know what, I think God's smashing our idols. I think he's just smashing our idols. And he's wanting us to look him in the eyes and say, Jesus, what are you saying to me? Let's just talk about some ways we can apply this in these days. Here, here's, here's the first thing I, I'd want to, want to say to us. First thing is this. It, it's time to, to recalibrate our time. In these, in these days, we've been in the three pauses. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm glad you're here. But I want you to know that we're, we're in these three pauses, and you're welcome to join us. We'll put them up on the screen. We're, we're pausing in the morning for 15 minutes and praying intimacy prayers. Jesus, we want to know you. At midday, we're praying prayers of incarnational prayers. We're we're praying, Jesus, we want to be filled with your presence and reflect who you are to a world that doesn't know you so that they might know you. And then the evening, it's intercession prayers. We have many needs, requests we want to bring before him. I don't think it's a surprise that God put this on the hearts of us at the end of last year because he knew this season was coming. Friends, it's time to recalibrate our time and pause. There's three ways we could do it. Pause for intimacy, pause for incarnation, pause, pause for inter- intercession. Second thing I would say is it's time to recalibrate your priorities. 
For some of us, we've realized that the things that we've been chasing in our day, the things that were our life goals, have been taken from us. This is what God does in disruption. Just like he did with Peter. He, he disrupts Peter's routine. He's disrupting our routine. And he's exposing our misplaced priorities. Could this be a time when you recalibrate your priorities? What that might look like is just simply coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I see the gap. And let him reassure you and invite you into deeper friendship with him. Last thing I would, I would say this is, um, if you put that slide up there, Jerry, that'd be great. It's time to just recalibrate our response. It's, it's, it's time to recalibrate. Yet yeah, time, priorities, our response to him. It's time to come to him. For those of us, maybe a few of us find ourselves in a situation where we've just been kind of going, doing life and doing life and squeezing God in and God's kind of flipping the switch on us and our response is that we want to take our lukewarm hearts, hearts and ask God to heat them up. For others of you, it's time to enter into a friendship with God. And I want you to hear these words because uh, Jesus, what he says, he invites us, when he invites us into friendship, he says, you know, to, to do that, we, we need to admit that we have a need, admit our sinfulness. Um, and Jesus says these words in, in John chapter 12. They'll be on your screens. He says, All who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. So we need, we need to admit our sinfulness that we, there is a gap, like Peter saw in the day in, on that boat, like Isaiah saw. Look, we, we're all broken people. We, we know we fall short of God's standards. And to enter into a friendship with him is simply admitting that. And the second thing then is, is, we'll put on the screen here, is that we just ask Jesus for forgiveness. Jesus, Jesus can reassure us. He could lift the guilt from us. And he can forgive. Maybe you've never asked him to do that. You could admit your sinfulness. You could ask Jesus for forgiveness. And here's a third thing that you can do. You could tell him your desire to leave your old life of sinfulness and follow him. Like Peter, you can make a decisive break from your past. You can allow this disruption, this disruption that captures our attention for the purpose of holy calibration, just like it did for Peter. You can make that break with the past and enter into a new future with Jesus. Just imagine what Peter would have missed if he had just said, no, I, I've got my routine. Please don't. I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. Imagine what he missed, all that teaching from Jesus, the miracles he saw, Pentecost, 3,000 people coming to Christ, walking in the fullness of the presence of Jesus. In fact, his shadow, healing people, being set free from prison, by, let out by angels. Think of all the things that Peter would have missed out on. Do you have any idea on what you're missing out on? Jesus is inviting you to let him disrupt your routine and his purposes and his plans for you are good. But you can tell him your desire. And the third thing is, is the last thing is simply this. The fourth thing is this. It's inviting him to be the leader of your life. You, you admit your need, sinfulness, your, your need for forgiveness. You ask him to forgive. You tell him you're going to make a break, a decisive break with the past. And you're going to follow him. And you're going to invite him to be the leader of your life. Now, if you do that, here, here, here's what Jesus says. John chapter 1. To all who believed him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. God hits the reset button on your life 
and gives you a new start. But it all comes from a disruption that captures our attention for the purpose of holy recalibration. My prayer for us is that in these days, we'd be asking Jesus, Jesus, what are you saying to me in this current disruption? Because I want to encounter you. Let's pray to that end. So Lord, we thank you. These are indeed different days. And Lord, as we encounter disruption, anxiety and fear can rise. And Lord, that can just, that can block the windshield view of our life. But the reality is, Lord, that oftentimes what you do is through disruption, you redeem it. And you allow it to be an encounter. A way for us to slow down, to redirect, to rethink, and to ask you, Jesus, what are you saying to us? I ask and pray for, Lord, for, the, for the church. I pray for encounters all over the Willamette Valley today. Encounters even now in homes. Those listening outside of the Willamette Valley, I pray for encounters for them. Oh, Lord, may there be an awareness of who you are, that you're very present. May we be aware of our need for you, Lord. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, you're the best at convicting us and showing us our need for a Savior. Lord, would you recalibrate our lives in such a way that your fire falls and the church is never the same. We thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.